0: Hi there, welcome back to the business side of fitness. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Each week on the show, we'll highlight fitness industry experts to learn about their personal journey and unique perspective. Through these conversations, we'll learn all about what it really takes to succeed in fitness. This show is brought to you by Vanessa Severiano, LLC, specializing in fitness and wellness business development for impactful brands. The time has come to start the show. Everyone's got a story, and now it's time to hear from this week's guest. Let's welcome to the show Wilfred Valenta. He's the co founder of SiloFit, the first real estate as a service company in the fitness sector. SiloFit is currently building a network of private, on demand fitness spaces with a focus on leasing and converting small offices into micro gyms. Currently operating in eight spaces across two cities, the company is set to demonstrate significant growth as it enters the US market in 2021. Welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Vanessa.
0: I'm really excited to have you here today because, you know, I've been stalking what you guys have been doing for a while and I was waiting for the right time to get you on the podcast. So I'm really excited. Um, But let's start. What attracted you to the fitness industry and the fitness sector? Like, let's get started there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So actually, um, I, it wasn't so much the the fitness sector that attracted me, it was really the tech sector that I wanted to be in. So I've been an entrepreneur for most of my life. Uh, but I also have a background in, in finance economics. So um, I used to be a commodities trader in another lifetime, I guess. But, uh, but I decided to pursue tech after working at a few, you um, A few startups, including breather building stack and other companies in the prop tech industry. So I I really became enamored with how to combine real estate with technology. And I noticed that there's very, there were very few companies at the time that were looking at fitness and real estate, the way, the way I always explain the company is that essentially we use fitness as a medium towards selling time and space better than anyone else. But I have to say, like quite candidly, I I I do I obviously like to work out, and and really I was looking for a space where I could work out on my own, and that was really hard to find at the time. So that was kind of the impetus towards creating SiloFit as well. So what was
0: the problem that you were identifying back in 2017? I mean, obviously the problem is a little bit more obvious now with the commercial real estate sector being really impacted mm-hmm. through COVID. But back in 2017, when you were conceptualizing all of this, what was the problem that you were aiming to solve?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, so where, where I lived at the time, it's it's in the old port of Montreal. And there wasn't, uh, there wasn't really a lot of gyms around. And the gyms that there were, were quite expensive. And there was a membership. And I was traveling a lot for business. So I didn't want to commit. But I, I really did enjoy working out. So, so I thought to myself, how great would it be if you had a private space to yourself that you could book by the hour, there's no strings attached, it's pay-per-use, you can unlock the door with a pin code and just work out into your private space. Now, as I started to toy with that idea to solve my own problem, I started to talk to a lot of personal trainers and landlords and so on, and I realized that we were solving actually a much bigger problem. In reality, we were solving the problem of space, specifically for fitness. And what we noticed was that personal trainers give up a 60 to 70% cut to use fitness space at a gym or to work at a gym. So our model, by focusing on small unused spaces of 500 to 1,000 square feet, allows us to basically create these small spaces at a deeply discounted rate they're typically unused, unused spaces, like we'll, we'll find spaces that are in the bottom of a building or, you know, on the third floor, that's overlooking maybe a, a bad view, but because it's a gym, it really works in that space. So we said, let's find these unused spaces instead of storefront properties that gyms typically use, uh, that are quite expensive. And so we started to lease up these properties and, and rent them out to, to users and trainers. And essentially, our spaces are 40% less compared to what a gym or clinic would charge for space to these trainers. So, so our value prop really pivoted from me wanting a personal space, which is actually great right now during COVID, to um, to really offering space for trainers where they can grow and build their business without having to actually build a gym. They can use this at their own leisure.
0: I, I think that's a huge Problem that you're solving because I know so many people that you know, I think working for a corporate gym for a lot of people was a good opportunity as far as understanding business basics. But then once they have that, then they end up you know, training people either at their homes or in the park, not necessarily in a gym setting because there's very few gyms that cater to independent personal trainers. So I love that idea. So, Wilfred, when you were coming up with your go to market strategy were you focusing on acquiring the end user or were you focusing on acquiring trainers?
1: Yeah, 100%. Our, our focus ended up being acquiring a trainer because every trainer has uh, approximately you know, 10 clients. So if you acquire one trainer, you get those 10 clients, you're actually getting 10 more users. So there's this incredible network effect with the product where in addition to that, once you get that trainer in the space, they start posting about it, then other people see it and they bring their clients and those clients bring their trainer and so on. So our spaces typically take about a month, a month and a half to get fully utilized. And I'm talking about like 90% utilization across the board. And those trainers actually become our, our spokespeople, you know, our strongest, like we've done zero advertising and it's all of our businesses come from word of mouth. So we've, we've been very, very fortunate.
0: And at what point in your business did you know it was time to start pursuing seed investment?
1: So, so right out of the gate, well, it was probably when I was uh, sleeping on my mom's couch for about eight months, you know, that, that was, that gave me like a hint. I should probably could try to go get some money. Um, but yeah, you know, it's an interesting story. Um, you know, this is probably like my third business that I've tried to start. Um, and um, I, I I was working at the time. We you know I have two co-founders, two great co-founders. I always say how blessed I am to, to have them because we balance each other so well. You know I'm I'm probably the extreme optimist. We we have another guy that's a that's a bit of a pessimist, and then you have the guy that's like the middle porridge in between, right? But I would say that you know we were working uh, full time, and then and then we were working part time to try to get this off the ground, and then finally we decided to just go all in. You know, I gave up all my things, my apartment, went on my mom's couch for a few months. And we tried to find some angel investors. And I think, you know, we got very lucky because we had, we realized that the way to raise that capital was you have to know, you know, the audience that you're talking to. So at first we were going after tech investors, but we really realized that we should be going after real estate investors. And so we started to talk to people in the real estate space that were angels. And uh, essentially we raised our first 150. We opened our first space, showed really good traction And then very quickly, you know, we start to talk to a VC that has a background in real estate as well, and uh, and they came on board. And I, I think what really attracted a lot of investors is that, you know, if you look at our business, it's very analogous to the WeWorks of the world, the breathers, the Saunders of the world. But what's so interesting about this business is that you can essentially layer on so many things from a tech perspective, which is what's really lacking in some of these prop techs. Is like a deep tech connection. And we have the opportunity to not only like build software to help the trainers, but also provide services and so on. And that's really where our business is headed to.
0: I love it. Yeah, I think that a lot of trainers really need the support. I always talk about like people are good at what they they're good at, right? And somebody that's an amazing trainer might not necessarily be the most amazing business manager, right? So any support that you're able to provide through technology just makes the process so much better and easier for them. So- what was the process of fundraising like for you, though? Because I've heard mixed things from different people, right? Some felt like they were being interrogated or they were mm-hmm. being attacked. Some found it very intimidating. Some really just didn't think it was, you know, that big of a deal. They didn't take it personally. So I'm just curious to hear what that process was like for you.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's always like your first one. The it's, Your first nut is the hardest one to crack. So, you know, we kind of got that out of the way with our angel investors and then I think just the fact that we had such extreme product market fit and we're the only ones that are really doing like real estate as a service in the fitness space. I think that made us a very attractive investment. So it, it was definitely tough to get our angels on board, but then once we started to talk to a few VCs um, and and actually the, the first VC that led around was referred to us by an angel investor. So we we were quite fortunate that we didn't have to go into the market and do a complete roadshow. Mind you, we, we were in a lot of, we did win a lot of awards and we, we did attend a lot of events. We kind of did that just for a little bit more publicity, but I, I think that's what really helped us also get on people's radars and create a little bit of FOMO too uh, amongst investors. So yeah, I mean, we had competing offers as well. So, you know, like I have to say the process so far hasn't been terrible. Uh, you know, it's, it's actually been quite nice and we've been very supported. So we quickly created a good like syndicate of, of, of investors on the VC side that wanted to come in and very strategic. You know, we have courtside ventures that's on the sports side, White Cat Venture Partners in real estate, Elate Partners in real estate, Ndamukong a professional football player. So very, very strategic investors. And, and they also were quite helpful in bringing other VCs on board. So they put us in front of a few people. For sure, you're gonna feel like you're interrogated sometimes. Um, they're gonna to try to poke holes, but I think it's your job as a CEO where you know you go after the small VCs, the minnows, and you try to get them to, to look at you know the problems that other people might ask and you tackle those and then you build on that so that when you find the right, the right fit, you're you're ready for that.
0: So, you've raised 3.5 million, which, first of all, congratulations, that's no easy feat. Where do you plan on allocating those funds? Are you investing towards um, furthering your technology? Are you looking to acquire more locations and convert those into silo fits? Like, where do you plan on allocating?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we raised a, a seed extension of 3.5 million. We previously raised a, a 1 million seed uh, prior to that. So in total the company has raised about uh, 4.7 million. Uh that that 3.5 from our latest round is going to be going towards opening more spaces of course to increase our market share and footprint across Montreal, Toronto and also we're expecting to expand into a US city. Uh if if everything goes a little bit better, you know, considering the market environment right now. Um but the the biggest thing that we're all really excited about is not only our spaces but the new verticals that we're expanding in. So you could think of as, uh, as, as our product or our offering to trainers, which is really our, our, our core focus and customer right now, as we're offering spaces, software and services. And these are the three pillars of our business. On the spaces side, you can book the space to bring your clients. Then after that, we're gonna be helping those trainers that are booking our spaces um, to, to run their business through our new SiloFit Pro app. So they're gonna be able to manage all their clients um also look at their upcoming reservations and so on and and essentially display their profile in our app so you can not only not only book a space but also book a trainer we're also offering services to these trainers so in other words we're going to be helping them build workout programs that they can sell through our network we're going to help them get certified insured and so on so a lot of that capital is going to be allocated to those three legs of the business so spaces software side, definitely building that out and the services component to start helping current trainers build more of their business.
0: I love that. You're really helping trainers and coaches to professionalize themselves, right? To be business people as well. So do you have any strategic partnerships or alliances as far as equipment companies or any other types of partnerships?
1: Uh, so I wouldn't say we have anything strategic per se. Uh, we are starting to enter those discussions towards like leasing most of our equipment as well. But uh, right now, you know, the majority of the equipment that we use is top of the line. We use a lot of rogue stuff. We also, you know, work with a few different suppliers in uh, other suppliers in the States and across Canada. But that's our main goal over the next few months is really standardizing not only the design, but also the equipment that goes into our spaces so that there's that level of consistency across the board. So be it you go to a silo in Denver or one in you know, Toronto, you, you know what to expect, right? That's what we want to create.
0: So other than being between 500 to a thousand square feet, what makes an ideal location for a silo fit? Is it specific demographics? Is it, you know, only urban areas? What, what is it that you're looking for when acquiring a new location?
1: Yeah, you know, the number one reason why people do or don't go to a gym is because of proximity. So we typically try to be close to the user and mind you, like also a gym is a destination. So Uh, a user will follow the trainer where they, they tell them to, but, but definitely it helps to be like in the same business building. What we look for in terms of our real estate is highly dense areas, you know, in urban centers and also where there's like a somewhat of a a young crowd that's into like both tech and on-demand fitness and things like that. But yeah, I think those would be the core, core things that we look for. And, And typically also, you know, obviously commercial buildings where we can open a space.
0: And what's your team look like? Like, how has that evolved from when you were conceptualizing with your two co founders to where the business is today? Have you grown the team? Are you very entrepreneurial in the back end still, or are you getting to be a little bit more structured? How does that work?
1: Yeah. Well, we went from four people to we're almost 25, I'd say, in about a year. So pretty explosive growth. Sometimes it boggles my mind. Um, now the way we're structured is we obviously have a real estate department that's consistently looking for spaces. We have a development team that's also designing the spaces, looking at what equipment to put in place. You know, we have a project manager for the build out because, right, we we lease those locations, we put in the equipment, we put in a shower as well. So it's it's very capital intensive and requires quite a bit of work. Um, and then we we have a, a growth team, so sales, marketing. Um, you know, we have people that we're putting in place to start selling our new subscription packages related really to Selfit Pro. Customer care is obviously very important. Mind you, we also have expanded our operations team to uh, because of because of the necessity of cleaning in between sessions. So we're very we're you know we're a COVID-friendly space. The reason for that is because we disinfect for 30 minutes between each session. To make sure that all of our customers are safe, and in in part that's what's really allowed us to operate. You know, obviously we're following government guidelines, but you know our 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 sanitary measures have allowed us to operate during these times. Um, so we we've, we've been very you know fortunate in that sense. But um, but yeah, it's it's allowed me. You know, I feel pretty lucky at this point where it's allowed me to to grow the company and allowed me to step back and think really really strategically now in terms of what new market do we want to be in what service offering will really add value to the trainer's life and what other you know pieces of the business are we leaving off the table
0: right and when you as far as like generating revenue are you charging the trainers a flat fee is it a revenue share how does that work
1: yeah so so right now we we just charge for the space and mind you it's not per person you know a lot of gyms do that So if, you know, a 500 square foot space will be around, say, $20 or $25, depending on the time of day. Um, Also, you can book a recurring reservation if you'd like. So say you want to go back and bring your clients every week. But we we just charge for for the space, so $25 an hour. And then if um, you want to start displaying your profile in the app, or uh, say using one of our consultation spaces, our services and so on, you would subscribe to what's called StyleFit Pro as a trainer. And uh, and that's a new subscription that we're bringing out in the new year. I, I can't unveil too much, nor nor the pricing, um, but that is, that is a new scri- subscription service that we're going to be offering to trainers in the new year.
0: Right. But does the client pay through the app? Like did they, does the person, does a trainer charge the client through the app or they just pay the fee directly to SiloFit? Uh,
1: They just pay the fee directly to SiloFit, but in the new year, the client will be able to to book the trainer through the app. Uh, That's our next step. But yeah, yeah. Essentially the client will be able to pay through the app in the new year. For now, the trainer just books the space, the client pays the trainer in the future will be client pays silo fit, silo fit praise trainer. Uh, but, but mind you, like we're not, you know, in this new business model that we're creating, we're not looking to gouge the trainer and, and take a, a 50% cut or 60% cut. That's, that's not our aim. Like really we wanna help people build their businesses. And our goal is like, if you think about it, you can look at it almost as like the Shopify for personal training, you know, we're, we're here to help you build your business, not take ridiculous fees or commissions.
0: Yeah, I love that because honestly, you're just eliminating steps. Like right now, when I think of all my friends that are trainers or that you know run group fitness classes and whatnot, I'm thinking about all the different softwares that they use to run their business. Right, they have like Calendly the book, they have Stripe to collect the payment, and and you know, um, and then obviously there's so many other apps that people are using right now to stay organized. Those are just the two at top of mind. So if there's one centralized place. It's almost like a marketplace for fitness that really eliminates, you know, the need to be going around. And obviously it just eliminates human error, right? Because especially when trainers are training so many people back to back, there's so many things that can fall through the cracks. And when you have everything in one central place, it just makes it so much easier for the trainer. So I love that concept. Um, So what have been like some of your biggest wins in business so far?
1: Hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I think our, our biggest wins so far have definitely been uh, opening our spaces with some of the major, la- most major landlords across Toronto uh, and Montreal. Uh, you know, Dream is one of the landlords that we're working with, where we we put our spaces. They're they're a multi billion dollar real estate firm in, in Canada. Um, along with that, I mean, finding product market fits so quickly. Uh, in the market has been incredible. It's, it almost like happened overnight. Um, so we've been very, very blessed in that sense. Um, I think also for me, just having a really great team, I think we've been very, very fortunate. I think also having a product where we can layer on all these additional ancillary revenue streams is really unique. Um, so I, I think being able to tell that story to investors and to trainers um, is, is really special. So I'm, I'm very excited about what the future holds and how we're going to be rolling things out.
0: I really love the concept because you're really empowering the individual fitness creator. If If COVID taught us anything, it's that, you know, the value of every brand is really its people, right? But a lot of brands, some of these big corporate brands have really, there's kind of like this this power shift, right? It's like the brand wants to hold all the power and not really give it to the individual instructor because that's kind of their business, right? And then the individual instructor relies on the big corporate business for the business part of, you know, running running um, their offerings. But at the same time, they kind of, you know, ha- see that there's a lot of possibility and there's a lot of potential, particularly if you're really great at what you do. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like, how, right. That's what all my friends in fitness are always asking. Like how, I know so many amazing talented people that just don't have the tools to set up the business. So I love that you're really empowering the individual and, and taking that, you know, um, giving them the tools to really be set up for success. Um, And you don't need to be a savvy business person to be able to be successful, right? Like you Mm -hmm. have these tools to manage your business on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So obviously I asked you about the wins, So you know what's coming next. What have been some of the biggest struggles or challenges?
1: Um, Yeah, you know, obviously COVID has definitely been difficult. Um, You know, everyone wants fitness equipment. So when you're building out gyms, trying to get your hands on uh on fitness equipment is a lot more difficult. You know, the way we've gone about that is we've just decided to bulk order everything months months in advance of our anticipated launch dates. So that's that's obviously been tough. Uh you know, finding tech talent is something that I think every technology company struggles with that's obviously very difficult as well. Um and yeah, operating during these times is you know, shutting down, opening, shutting down and opening again has is also been quite hard, and I think even on the team psyche, working remotely is—you uh, know—we we do that anyways. People work from home, but uh, luckily, like we were set up quite well. But still, you know, there's there's an element that's missing from being in you know the the pit with your team and trying to get stuff done. Uh, so so I, I think 2020 has been challenging for for everyone. Uh, I think for you know a brick and mortar business like ours that's evolving to be a hybrid technology business. Um, it's also quite tough. I, I, I do want to comment on what you said, though, about, you know, this this power shift. And, and that's really, I think, where our business has such a huge opportunity. Um, you look at, you know, back in the day, people used to say, I go to Equinox or I go to X club like Temple or whatever. Um, you know, people no longer say that. They say I work out with X trainer, you know, and I think that's really a part of this, this shift that's happening where it's no longer about the gym, it's about the, the trainer themselves and, and that brand power is shifting. So I think as, as this, this is happening more and more, and this is of course happening because of things like Instagram or other avenues where trainers can find distribution and promote themselves, I think we have an immense opportunity to help them with that. And if you look at the market today, you know, what's happening is there's there's a shift towards hybrid fitness. And, and this was gonna happen all along where it was gonna be 60% in person, 40% virtual. So people want that, still want that option to be in person. When COVID's over, people will wanna work out in person. I think what's gonna happen though is that 40% of the time people are just gonna work out at home because they got used to it. The other 60% they are gonna wanna do it in some sort of pay per use or on-demand option. I don't think people are gonna wanna go back to memberships, right? Um, so I, I think we're really you know COVID COVID has helped just accelerate this shift. I think it was going to happen regardless, just being a catalyst towards accelerating that shift. And I think we're in a very good spot to uh, to take advantage of this this market opportunity and this this shift or tidal wave in the market.
0: Okay so I don't know if you're gonna answer this or not, but I'm gonna ask it anyway right so what. US cities are you looking to mm-hmm. expand to I mean is it the usual suspects like New York LA Chicago or are you looking at other options?
1: Yeah I, I think so definitely I mean New York and uh, New York and LA sound like sound like great cities uh, obviously because of high density. Um, at the same time, you know we want to be very strategic in terms of our rollout. I, I think Chicago would be a great option for us. Uh, the reason being is that you know it's it's obviously on the Eastern seaboard, pretty close to to Toronto as well. Um, in addition to that, the real estate dynamics are quite similar to some Canadian cities. so so we have a point kind of reference there. Um, but I would say, yeah, we're we're looking, you know I can't I can't divulge too much, but we're looking at Chicago, New York, Boston, and so on. Uh, we're still trying to see what would be the best best city for this. But, uh, you know, the way I see it is like our aim in in the next uh, in the next few months as we're going towards our Series A, um, af- after we raise that capital, we'd like to open about 40 to 50 spaces next year. And obviously, that's going to give us an opportunity to expand in quite a few quite a few cities. Um, so we're really, really excited about that.
0: And if somebody's listening to this right now and they're trying to, you know, they're identifying a problem in the fitness or wellness sector and they they're coming up with a solution, since you're an entrepreneur, you've had some, you know, you've you've opened up this successful business, you've successfully raised funds, but you've said that you shared earlier that you've also tried to come up with some other ideas that maybe didn't come to fruition. So, what advice would you give to somebody that's trying to get a concept off the ground?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I spend a lot of time mentoring. I I do at least like five, five, six hours a week um, with various, um, various people, either in fitness or, um, or real estate or really other types of businesses. Um, I think my, you know, what what I typically see is that people become very attached to ideas and, uh, and they take it very personally. I, I think like, the, the success that I've had or, or semblance of success, because I, I wouldn't say, you know, we're, we're successful yet, I, I think that takes time and to really prove out a concept, you know, it takes a lot of, um, a lot of time and, and to prove that out into the market where you're, you know, you have your customers, you have that product market fit and I think time is really the test that will demonstrate that, uh, considering that most businesses fail within their first or first five years, but um. I would say like don't get attached to an idea and, and really try to fail quickly. Try to test things very, very quickly. I, I found most of my my success came from when I, I shifted my mindset from trying to prove out one concept to building what what I called like an idea funnel. So you start off with your big trends in the market. You go into what are you know a few ideas that look really, really good, and then you start testing them. And like the way I would test thing is. You know, I, I, I threw out, I threw out business plans. Like I wouldn't even do business plans anymore. At some point, what I, what I would do is I just go talk to people. And, uh, and I think the most important thing is that you 10 X your conversations, you know, and you go out and you talk to people and you put like, if it takes, you know, putting up a few ads on, uh, you know, Craigslist or, or Kijiji or whatever, and trying to see if people bite. And even if your product doesn't exist, are people interested in that? If it did exist, you know? So uh, I, think, I think the moment you start testing things, and there was a point where I was testing 10 different ideas, just talking to people or putting ads out or you know having some sort of prototype. So as you do that, um, you become less attached to an idea, and then you focus on something that will really, really succeed. So that's, that's probably my best advice for someone starting start trying to figure out an idea today.
0: I'm obsessed with that. I think, you know, one thing that I've noticed just in speaking with so many entrepreneurs for this podcast is that the common denominator is that people are willing to take risk, right? And I think so many people are scared of failure and that's why they never see tremendous success because they're too scared to go through that failure, right? It's like easier to stay with the safe job that's making, you know, a steady 100K instead of taking the risk and starting your own business and possibly fail and live on your mom's sofa for eight months, you know, or whatever. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I love that you shared that piece of advice with, with us. Thank you so much. If somebody wanted to connect with you, Wilfred, or they wanted to find out more about SiloFit, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, you know, I, I'd, I'd be glad to get any emails at w at silofit.com. Otherwise, um, feel free to hit our, our webpage, and you know there's our uh, you could all you could you could look us up there silofit.com. Also, uh, you can reach out at hello at silofit.com as well.
0: Perfect. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you so much, Vanessa. Hi everyone. This is
0: your host Vanessa Severiano. I have a huge favor to ask of you. If you found value in this episode, I'd love it if you would please subscribe, review, and share this episode. It would really mean so much to me. I truly love connecting with fitness and wellness experts. So if you'd like to be on the show or are looking for help in your business, definitely drop me a line and connect with me. You can find me at hello at vanessaseveriano.com or my social media account Since my last name is not the easiest to spell, I'm going to go ahead and make it really easy for you and link my contact details in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Catch you on the next episode.